Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum jami'an ayyuhal mustami'in wal mustami'at. Beloved listeners of Radio Islam International, welcome back to Hayatun Tayyibah with myself, Malima Shakira Hanta, here at Radio Islam International. Alhamdulillah, it's always a pleasure and a joy to be in your company. And today, inshallah, we're going to look in detail at infertility and the emotional state behind it. You know, previously we spoke just about infertility in and of itself. But today I will be joined online by Sister Zina Sirkot. And Alhamdulillah, Sister Zina is an integrated learning therapy practitioner and learning consultant. She has a higher certificate in adult training and education, a BA degree in psychology and Islamic studies. Alhamdulillah, she has an extensive, extensive bio. But we are really thrilled, Alhamdulillah, to for you to be back with us as a as a Zinat, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept all your efforts and all your work, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam, Mu'alima Shakira. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And yourself? Alhamdulillah, shukran. So, uh, you know, so Zinat, when it comes to fertility, it is a subject that, you know, we have to talk about something that we need to talk about as every one in, in four women are experiencing this difficulty. And subhanAllah, when I put out a, 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 a little, you know, story recently regarding my own journey, it, you know, the amount of people that reached out to me, the amount of, it was actually overwhelming to see the amount of people that asked me, Apa, teach me your du'as, teach me how do I get this, how do I, how am I able to, you know, overcome this feeling that I'm a woman and I want to have children. And Allah subhanAllah has made it such that, you know, women have difficulty falling pregnant or staying pregnant pregnant for various various reasons but before we go into the reason behind you before we dive into the subject matter i first want to ask you what is the meaning of tawakkul to you sister zina okay um Mualima, it's amazing that you brought your little story up because that's what gave me courage to speak up <laughs> and i think on that day i actually responded to you for me tawakkul is um, on so many levels. So if you look at it in a definition perspective, it means to have that utmost belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, you know, to give all of your, your belief in, in everything and not have that, you know, look at logic or reason or anything. But for me, truly, it's been this rope you know, that I've been holding on to. That in my worst times, subhanAllah, that rope is there, that golden rope that I'm holding on, that it gives me this light and this uh, goodness and this feeling of, you know, uh, peace in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Abba Shakira, I must tell you, though, that tawakul for me means so many things, but it's really, really been a lifeline. Um, I am, well, basically, we've been... Uh, trying for about 24 years. I married, alhamdulillah, going on to 25 years. And <laughs> subhanAllah, it's, it's been quite a journey, but mm-hmm. I think I reached my level of tawakul about my, my first niece is 18 years old currently. And at the time that she was born, um, you know, that was a turning point for me because I had to really search within myself and look towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to say, why do I do? This is my own. I can't turn away from her or my sister. When I finally first got the news that my sister was expecting, alhamdulillah, it was so many different emotions because I want to be happy for her. This is my own. This is my sister. But at the same time, you know, it's not that you don't feel happy for anyone, but it's so difficult because it reminds you of what you haven't achieved yet. 
Yes. And at that point, I had to get onto that musalla, and I remember that day making a, a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm like, Ya Allah, how can I feel like this? How can I feel like this about my own? You have to help me now. You know, um, I know this is probably going to be a long journey, and, you know, it's we we make dua every day. We never lose hope and that kind of thing. But ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to, have to help me. You have to give me an answer. And subhanAllah, from that day onwards, things got a little bit easier. You know, where I was totally, you know, I totally indulged into my sister's pregnancy and enjoyed every moment with her. And Alhamdulillah, when my Rumana was born, that was the most amazing emotional day in my life because it was, you know, being a Kala is like being the second mother. And Alhamdulillah, she, it was such an emotion for me because I was slowly let free of this, this feeling of hopelessness and all of those things. And Alhamdulillah, the journey continued. It continued and continued. And, you know, as the days went by, Allah SWT started talking to me and I realized, you know, I've got to change the way I make dua because, yes, never lose hope in Allah SWT when you want something. But at the same time, I asked, I started asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Allah, you've got to help me survive this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you've got planned for me, you know. And I started to change my dua. And subhanAllah, as the years go by, it's not that you don't crave or you don't want this child. You know, you still, up until today, I'm 44 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala drops that child into my hand right now, I'm going to grab it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, um, Alhamdulillah, there's that sukun in my heart and sukun for both of us as a couple. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's so important to have that understanding, you know, that we have to go on with our life. Life carries on, um, mm-hmm. whether you have a child or not. And you have to get to that point where you have that to work on. SubhanAllah, that for me, like I say, is a lifeline. It gives me anything and everything that I really need. Mm. Subhanallah, you know, your words are just uh, ringing through my heart. I know hundreds, not, I, I won't even say, you know, hundreds of women, subhanallah, who express the same thing. And I think what happens is, a lot of the time we're so focused on the, the you know, the, the part of our of having children where I need to do the physical part of it. But there's this emotional feelings is something that we don't delve into. That's what I want yeah. to look at today. And uh, so Zina, you know, uh, my husband and I were just talking about this the other day, and we were speaking about how we always loved children. As as young, as young, uh, you know, teenagers, we loved kids when we were young, newly married. We always, we always had a car full of kids that we were taking for, you know, picnics and everything. And we were always those people. But as you know, our marriage, uh, you know, moved on, and we couldn't have kids. Subhanallah, you know, we found ourselves pulling away. We found ourselves getting to a point where we actually, you know, it was too much to to be in a situation where people were always looking at you like, oh, shame. So how do you deal with that, oh, shame? You know, and I, and I remember, like, you know, being this bubbly person who loved play, and all the kids would love to come to my house to come and visit and have tea parties. And slowly I pulled back. They would, you know, want to come and I pulled back. I felt it was too much, right? So how do you deal with that, oh, shame that goes through the society? Now, I've been there as well, Mualima, um, uh, the both of us, in fact, you know, we are, you know, we love kids and I think he's one worse than me. He basically melts in this, into this gorgeous, you know, <laughs> pile mm-hmm. of goodness when he sees a baby or when he sees little children, he absolutely loves them. And I think that was the part that killed me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, Mualima, um, by the time we came to 2013, um, so we started the infertility journey very, very late. 
Um, and yes, you know, you get to this point where there's so many emotions because you just, between the two of you, you know, you try not to have the blame game because that's the first thing that goes on. You know, could right. it be a problem with you? Could it be a problem with you? And then society, uh, you know, passing crazy remarks. And, you know, subhanAllah, we are Muslim first of all. Um, mm. I, I think we need to understand that. And if we can understand it, we'll all be able to support each other, but better. But then there's a whole cultural part that comes in. Right. And I can't tell you the nasty comments that the both of us used to get from either he gets it from, you know, male counterparts or I used to get it from female counterparts where up to the one point I had an old lady coming up to me and because someone had remarked how fun I'd gotten, she was like, you're still not pregnant and hands on my belly. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, you're sure you're still not pregnant. So it was shame, you know, shame this poor couple can't have this. Uh, you're doing something wrong, obviously. Uh, you know, you, you're too career orientated because I come from a corporate background. But do we really use your, I mean, you sometimes can use your logic. If somebody is now married for about 15 years, really, you're going to come up to them and say, shame, you know, you've got, you're too much, you're too interested in your, your career or whatever the case is. Mm. I think the basis to get past of this, and I think for me the biggest journey was, like I say, 2013, Alhamdulillah, I went for Hajj. When we came back, um, you know, then this whole conversation came up about infertility. But the most beautiful thing that happened for me before I left for Hajj is I started Madresa. So Alhamdulillah, since then, I have not left Madresa. But by getting that Islamic education, it was... Uh, you know, it put me in a better position to start seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's plan. And, um, you know, there's so many verses in the Quran that speaks about, um, you know, creation from the time it is a lump and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a clot of blood and changes it into, um, you know, a, a piece of tissue and it carries on and carries on. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also speaks to us and tells us that, you know, we are mere caretakers of these beings that are given to us as an amana. And when I started to realize that, and I started to realize what creation was about, that, you know, this little life is basically already, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already decided 50,000 years ago, you know, who it would go to. I started to understand better that, you know, it wasn't a point of um, a shame because I did something wrong. Because honestly, the two of us had done nothing wrong. Yes. We didn't ask to be in this position. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose us. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose us in a position not as a punishment. You know, if, if it's like shame, 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 are you saying that I'm being punished for something? And obviously, mm -hmm. that is not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, purpose for us. And in being this in this position as well, there's so much of reward for it as well. So I think the best thing to deal with the whole shame issue is go down this route of educating yourself through the Quran and finding out what is Allah's purpose for his creation. And that's going to make a huge, huge difference. You know, I, I really love how you put in that across, especially, you know, Ilam, that knowledge just, it just calms you down, you know, and, and I always say this, and I, it's nice in my own story as well. I said, you know, if ever even you know, enter my mind that I don't have kids. It was just Allah didn't give me kids, you know, and then people started, you know, saying these things and that makes sure. you doubt. So, let's also look at it from a point of view right now is that when it comes to things like, you know, those positive, those du'as that people make or those statements that they make sometimes that we can teach our listeners and we can learn ourselves how to reframe it. Say you are, you know, meeting somebody for the first time and you, or, or you, you know this person and they don't have kids. 
a lot of times people say, no, Incha, I know for myself, they used to say to me, no, Incha, well, you also have a baby, don't worry. And, they, yes, yes. and maybe they meant well, you know, they really meant well. There was a, a positivity behind it. But it came across in such a way that really was more embarrassing than anything else, especially because it was done so loudly in front of everyone. So... They are those little gestures, taking babies away from you, not allowing you to carry babies. Yes. And I oh, Allah, I remember that. <laughs> Go on and on and on and on and on. But I wanted to ask you, how, how can we teach our communities and our, our, our families to, to react better and to speak better to people who are undergoing infertility? You know, Mu'alima um, Shakira, the one uh, story lately that I remember that comes across so, uh, so clearly was when... Um, Bibi Asha and her went through that situation with the scandal that was against her. And I remember the story where a lady, and I can't quite remember, one of the companions came to see her. And they had no words, but all that they did was they followed everything that she did. So if she cried, they cried with her. Um, you know, she needed that moral support, they gave her a hug. And I think that's what you really need to do is get into the psyche of a human being. A lot mm-hmm. of the times, if people say something, they really don't know, you know, what to say. So I'll give you one example that really, two examples that really, really blew me away. Uh, going back to our time, you know, um, one of my husband's very close friends actually openly came up to me and asked me, are you barren? <laughs> How can you say that I'm barren? Have you gone and seen a definition? Have you seen medical reports? Do you know anything about me physically to ask me something like that? The second thing that really, really, you know, amongst the many, many comments that were made, um, I'd lost my twins, subhanAllah, um, at like about nine weeks. Mm. And you're going through this grief and a very close, supposedly close friend phones me and Instead of, um, you know, consoling me, the one thing she wanted to ask me was, was this a natural pregnancy or did you go through IVF? Or did you go through fertility treatment? And I'm sitting here, I'm like, yeah, Allah, I lost my children. Are are there any less than having a normal pregnancy? Uh, Subhanallah, I mean, obviously, the fact that they started growing in my belly is a a point to you that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did put life into them somehow. Uh, Does it not count for anything? So I think you need to, we need to start educating the public on how to console people in grief or how to console people, especially in terms of infertility um, and miscarriages, because Mm -hmm. they don't understand, honestly. And uh, there's such crude comments that get made at times, like, and I know, the biggest one is, so now when are you having a baby? <laughs> yes, and like yes. I said, you know, Malima, after it's been 15 or 16 years, are you really asking me that? <laughs> so <laughs> I think and, and I would honestly tell somebody, if you don't know what to say, rather skip that topic, mm-hmm. you know. Um, rather in your heart, don't say anything to that person because sometimes even though you've got good intentions and you're saying, inshallah, next time you, <laughs> I hate that word next time, mm-hmm. just rather keep quiet and make that dua in your heart for them because you don't understand what they are going mm-hmm. through. Yeah, I think that's the, the, the genuineness of it is that if you truly feel it for the for a person, you need to feel their, their, their challenge, but don't embarrass them in public, subhanAllah, you know. Now, oh, yeah. uh, so, Zina, you know, we, 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 when you look at this infertility journey that people go through, I know um, that when young couples just get married, you know, there's that obvious excitement and that sort of like, that you are going to go through it, you are going, and there's a lot of young girls nowadays who are waiting and waiting and years are going by in two, three years. And, and it doesn't mean that it's infertility. It might just mean that, you know what, there's a delay because of all the, you know, what we're going through. But... 
I don't think we sometimes talk about that emotions and we don't know how to talk about that emotions to our spouses. So let's start off there, right? Why is it so important for couples who are going through, if you say, I want to have a child and you're finding yourself getting pregnancy tests after pregnancy tests being negative and, you know, to move from that point to say, you know what, let's try to either talk to somebody in our community, go to professional counseling so that we can understand that this is something that we can speak about and we can express. And it's okay to feel that disappointment. 100%. Mualima, this is such an important point. You know, I remember eight years when we had been going through this. You know, we are now obviously at an older age and you're sitting in this room and I was amazed to see 20 year olds. I mean, like there was one was 21 years old, a 21 year old girl sitting in that room, you know, going through this infertility uh, process. And I remember sitting in that room and you know, they, they, they basically when you start the process or whatever the case is or when you start going to the gynees, nobody brings this up that you actually need to go through the counseling. Yeah, sure, there's booklets lying on the table. So yeah, okay, fine, we want to educate the public, but what's going to make you pick up that booklet? And secondly, the most important thing is we as human beings, with men and women, we, you know, um, we deal with grief, we deal with uh, stress all in very different ways. And sometimes there's a total disconnect from a male and a female. Mm-hmm. Um, so example, when we were going through this initially, it was, you know, for, for my husband, it was more of a masculine thing because obviously he'd been taunted by, you know, other uh, male counterparts and females and family members and that kind of thing. And for my part, it's now obviously, you know, a woman's body is made to be able to carry a little human being in it. Mm. And when you're not able to, there's that sense of hopelessness that you have no purpose in life whatsoever, Mm. regardless of what you are doing in your life or who you are taking care of. That is how you feel. But when it comes to counseling, you know, there's such a huge stigma. So as soon as you say something like counseling, or in my case, you know, when when we talk to parents and stuff about therapy, there's such a huge stigma that people feel that, oh, there's something wrong with me now, you know. Um, I can't let people know that. But between a couple, it's so important to have that understanding, you know. And when we talk about counseling, most importantly, I think it needs, and I, I, I honestly don't think, I believe from experience that it should be from an Islamic purpose uh, from an Islamic perspective because once you understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has planned when you understand the certain verses in the Quran and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to humanity you start to understand what is your purpose in life your first purpose in life is truly to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everything else starts to come in secondary you know, mm-hmm. it is important to increase the ummah. Um, you know, it's also a form of reward. But that is something that's given to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's not something that we have control on. Both you, you and I. Can I just interject there for a moment? Because no, a very pertinent point. When you think counseling must come from an Islamic perspective, you know, this is so important because when you look at the ayat that Allah speaks about, He says, That is something that Allah decided to give or decided not to give. And I think that, you know, when you come to terms with that, that it's Allah giving, Allah not giving, it's an easier way to develop a purpose. Because now what happens to us is that we say, I can't, you know, I can't fall pregnant, or my husband can't, or we can't. And what happens is then you are internalizing it as if it's, an, if it's a fault of yours. Whereas if you challenge it on, Allah hasn't decided that I should get that, I have a child. And I used to say this for years, I said, no, Allah, Allah has decided that I have a different path. And people 
You know, our communities, we help our young people through an Islamic perspective to deal with yeah. this and to come to terms with it. Uh, so, Zina, just give us, inshallah, a few seconds. We have to take a short ad break. And when we get back, we'll go on with the conversation, inshallah. Inshallah. Listeners, welcome back to Hayatun Tayyiba with myself, Mali Mashaki Rahanta, here at Radio Islam International. Alhamdulillah, today we are getting deep into the topic of our emotions and the emotional side of infertility. You know, subhanAllah, it can be something that women really dread because that is their life stream, is to have this family, to build a family. And a lot of times, you know, people start pulling away, pulling away from society, pulling away from their counterparts. They don't like to go to functions. And it's all because of the heaviness of the emotion that they feel when they are out in society and the way they are judged for not, not having children. So Alhamdulillah, today we have Sazinat with us and we have been discussing this topic in detail. So Sazinat, welcome back, inshallah. And we are now focusing on the infertility in males. And, you know, we do know that males suffer from infertility, but in our cultures, it's always the female who's to blame. Why do you think this and what can we do about it, Sazinat? Um, Malima, I think it just comes back to that whole traditional and cultural background that's going back now thousands of years that women are viewed, uh, when you talk about fertility or, you know, or birth or life, um, you know, basically women uh, represent that. And when it comes to males, there are lots of issues. Alhamdulillah, if, you know, um, it, it's not a spoken thing because it's an embarrassment to them, obviously. But there are lots of issues with infertility where it involves the men. And I mean, if you look at it biologically or scientifically, and Alhamdulillah, I'm not taking away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all. If you look at the DNA makeup example of, um, you know, the sperm, uh, most of the DNA comes from that, that gives uh, a child possibly a male or uh, whether it's going to be a male or female um, and certain characteristics, subhanAllah. But I mean, everything is is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ultimately, right? Um, in terms of, you know, there have been cases I've read up where, you know, where there's a lot, lots of miscarriages or there's birth defects, and it all links to the chromosome of the male. But unfortunately, the woman is always blamed for this sort of thing, and it really goes down to tradition or culture. And once again, I mean, I was also, um, you know, faced with this for many years where certain family members would ask, you know, um, who they regarded as fertile in the family to give my husband a child, you know, to have a child and give it to my husband so we can uh, have a child or whatever the case is. And this really, really hurt me so deeply when I found out about it because without even knowing what was physically happening in me and you, you are blaming it on me and you don't even know whether it is, a, it is a case where I have a physical problem or not, subhanAllah. And I think 95% of the women go through that. Uh, whether they're going through it from their in-laws or they're going through it from uh, friends or family or extended family. But most importantly, you know, it also comes from a male perspective. Um, I've been on so many groups, Ma'alima. You know, initially you want that support system, so you join these infertility groups per se. 
and we were speaking about you know the way that the female is always blamed etc how do we as women support our husbands when they are going through things like this because i'm sure you know in many homes that might be the the topic of discussion but because we are so afraid to discuss it with our our families and the society we are only left to support our husbands right if they are going through this so how do we you know give them the support without breaking them and without you know making them feel like they are less of a man for it Okay. So, Mwali, um, I think the best thing to do once again is if you go through that counseling process and following the Sharia way of doing it, uh, Western counseling is very different and, you know, it, it doesn't give you that, um, that peace. So if you can go through this counseling uh, between the two of you, inshallah, it will strengthen you. Um, and you both will be able to come to a point where you understand that everything that happens is the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Although, yes, genetically or scientifically or when you get those tests, it might give you certain sort of results. But at the end of the day, the both of you are in this together. And subhanAllah, you know, I've, I've actually heard of, um, to give hope out there to a lot of couples. There have been, you know, couples where uh, the spouse might have gone through a very bad illness. And it's, you know, they've been told that they would never, ever be able to conceive. And subhanAllah, a few years later, they have not even one. They might even have two or three children. I've heard so many cases like this, both on the main, male and the female side. And I think, you know, the most important thing is going back to that purpose as a Muslim is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you a wonderful partner, inshallah, for everybody that you can, you know, go through your test with. Um, you need to work as a unit. You need to be together because at the end of the day, you can have, you know, so many, um, you think you're getting your source of comfort from so many other people, but you need to be the unit that need to work together. Mm-hmm. And that will get you through, inshallah. You know, you, you know, it, it, when you go through this process, it's so daunting, uh, Mu'alima, mm-hmm. because, you know, all that you get through eventually is schedules and having to be at doctor's appointments at certain mm-hmm. times, taking medication at certain times. Um, and, you know, for the male as well, you know, a lot of the times, even though you're going through this process and maybe they haven't even been tested but deep down there is a question for them is this because of me is there something wrong with me um and i think the worst part is when they start feeling down about themselves and thus eventually leads to breakups in marriages Mm -hmm. you know because eventually the male feels that okay so the problem is with me now and the female sometimes there are cases where you know, people actually blame their husbands in a relationship or the husband blames the female. Yes. And you start having these issues and these fights and stuff like that. So the first thing to do is, I think the most, most, most important thing to do is forget about the stigma about counseling and actually seek counseling from a good, uh, you know, ulama or, um, you know, some sort of consultant that has a huge Islamic background. But more specifically, it needs to be a specialization, I think, when it comes to infertility. Uh, infertility counseling is totally, totally different from your normal sort of counseling. Yes. Um, and I think once that couple can go through that, you can work as a unit and get through um, these little hurdles. You know, whether it's mm. going through, because I remember, you know, going through the last miscarriage, I think, was the worst for me. Because you have this hope that you're going to have you know, these two babies and unfortunately use both of them. And subhanAllah, at that point, I know when I was looking at that screen, I'm, I'm just looking and looking blankly to see a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even hear the doctor saying that I'm sorry. 
there's, I'm so sorry for your loss. And at that point, you know, my husband leaned down and he held me, subhanAllah. And, you know, that's what actually made me awake and realize that mm. my babies are gone. And subhanAllah, I got that support from him. And likewise, we've both, you know, had to go through, um, you know, the grief and a lot of the times, like I said, you know, when you think of it, grief as a female when you lose a child or whatever the case is, you always feel like it's only my grief because it's my body. My body was supposed to carry this little human being. But they also take the responsibility. And that responsibility is so huge on our spouses. So we need to work together. You need to go through this process where you go for counseling and don't go through it too late. So start going through it when you already, you know, have an idea that you might be going through um, a case of infertility or there might be issues. Uh, Alhamdulillah, this will bring you together as a couple. Inshallah, help you go through the storm. Inshallah, inshallah. You know, your words bring so much of hope for people who are out there, inshallah. And I hope it can be a benefit. Allah bless you for sharing it. I know it's incredibly emotional, incredibly emotional. When you when you look at, you know, the online world and people are sharing their happy pictures of having babies and people are sharing the little, you know, surprise reveals, etc. You know, it can really be a downer for people who don't have kids. And a lot of times people exclude you because you don't have children, etc. Now, there's one emotional part, sister Zina, that... I think we, we, we seldom focus on, but many women who are unable to become pregnant, usually it's because of an underlying di- disease or, or, or sickness like PCOS and, you know, um, this polycystic ovaries, etc. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, 100% clued up on this, but what happens is, is that, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it, it, it's a cycle, isn't it? That you are sick, so therefore you pick up weight, and because you are overweight, you are unable to fall pregnant. And so the, this whole t- total cycle then goes around in circles. You know, you're trying to get your weight in order, but because you're sick, you're so in pain, so you're constantly picking up weight, and you're having tablets. And then on top of it all, people are fat shaming you, lose weight, and you'll have kids. And this is, it's, a, it's a really ugly way of, of speaking to people, and it breaks their confidence. So... For women who are going through this, you know, like I know myself, I was, I suffered from being overweight for years and years and years, you know. So um, after taking back that, a little bit of that understanding back and starting to educate myself and changing my eating habits, changing my relationship with food, seeking help, how important do you think it is for us as a society to be aware of statements of, are you fat? Are you not fat? Are you, are you, you know, and, and the shaming that we do when it comes to people who don't have kids. Walima, I was also one of those people that was seriously overweight. And yes, um, I do have hormonal issues as well. But, you know, at that point, um, yes, you do get it. A lot of people would say, you know, you need to lose so much, so many kilos uh, or whatever the case is so that you can fall pregnant. But on the other flip side of the end of a coin, I know people that are very, very thin, extremely thin, skinny, Mm -hmm. that get told, you know, you are very, very thin. You're never going to be able to carry a baby. So I went from the extremes, Malima, from being this really overweight teenager and then going through a few years of absolute nonsense about my weight. And then eventually, subhanAllah, I don't know. Something happened in my body. I started to lose all of that weight. Getting to the point where you are now, you know, um, getting children and then you get told, you know, you're way too thin. You're going to lose your babies. That's the last thing that you want to hear. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, I think the most important thing is that you need to develop a healthy relationship with yourself. 
Um, Whatever, whether you are overweight, whether you are absolutely thin, you need to start deciding for yourself. The first thing is the one decision I made for myself a very long time ago is that anything I do with my body, inshallah, is because it's an amanat from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's such a beautiful hadith with regards to that. Uh, That anything I'm going to be putting into my body needs to be good for my deen, it needs to be good for my dunya. Um, And I started to now try to start like yourself also looking at my eating habits and, uh, you know, my relationship with myself. How do I feel about myself? If we can become a bit more positive about ourselves in within whatever size body you have, um, inshallah, you'll gain a more, uh, how can I say, a more healthy relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. And um, you start gaining this healthy relationship within yourself. And if you can love yourself more and try and make healthier choices, you're going to be in a healthier mindset, subhanAllah. So yes, um, alhamdulillah, eventually I, I lost quite a bit of weight in whatever the case is, but I started to look at it in a different, a very, very different way. That whatever I'm doing for myself needs to be totally for the health of my body so that I can operate on a daily basis. Whether it's, you know, being able to do the work that I'm able to do, whether it's having a relationship with my husband, my social interactions with everybody else. Because also, you know, Alima, the scary part is it becomes such an obsession that if I lose all of this weight, eventually I'm going to fall pregnant. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to have this baby. I'm going to have 10 babies. Uh, eventually, if I pick up weight, if I pick up 10 kilos, I, I won't have so many miscarriages anymore. I'm not going to lose my babies. So mm-hmm. we need to take away from that blame, you know, besides for body shaming, that constant blaming yourself for everything that goes wrong. Mm-hmm. And the only way we can get that is if you look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, so Bismillah, Ya Allah, making this intention for myself that whatever I do going forward is for my health so that I can worship you correctly and that this body is an amanat for myself. And inshallah, with this as well, maybe my body will be healthy enough to conceive a child or eventually to carry a child. I think that, is, that, that would be the right approach to it. Mm. It brings us back to what we were saying, what you were saying earlier as well, is that you, you basically have to focus it back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, you have to take it from Allah, put it at Allah's door, bring it back to Him, because it's so intense, isn't it? And, and, and that's the thing, you know, my, my friend and I, we both were married we one week apart and I and we both of us have been going through this infertility journey for years and alhamdulillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made that I have, you know, I was overweight and she was underweight, <laughs> you know, and when we were sitting next to each other, yeah, like, but we right. both had the same underlying problems, the same underlying issues and it just goes to show you, irrespective of being overweight or underweight, at the end of the day, the body and what it does is under the control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's Allah's decision at the end of the day, you know, for what will happen. And we have to, you know, make that rabab uh, al you know, get to that point where we're happy with Allah. But also, you know, acknowledge that we are feeling it. We are overwhelmed. Sometimes we reach burnout point. Sometimes, but we cannot put our yaqeen and tawakkul in ourselves and our bodies. We have to take it to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And which is why we open this conversation speaking about tawakkul in and of itself. So, Sister Zinat, I want to just, you know, we are, we are, mashallah, going over time. It's such a lovely conversation to have. Not because of anything, because it's, you know, normally you feel you feel a bit shy to discuss this, you know. And I remember when you sent me the message, I was in the height of my busyness. And I told myself, Ya Allah, I really want to do that. May Allah open it up. And Alhamdulillah, Allah has granted us this opportunity right now. I want to speak about the, the IVF process. And I know it was an incredibly difficult one for yourself. And 
the pain that it takes for a woman to go through that, the injections. Can you tell us a little bit more? How did you equip yourself? And I know the disappointment must have been so great going, you know, into that. But for the for anybody out there, and I'm and I and this is what I make dua. I make dua that your pain, may Allah subhanahu wa taala, make it mean the benefit for other people, and may Allah make every single person who is out there and going through that, you know, the desire and that you know that one for a child, may Allah fulfill that desire, inshallah, and grant it with afia, with afia, with ease, with salama, inshallah. So let us know a little bit more about the IVF journey, inshallah. Okay, so with the IVF journey, initially, when before we started, subhanAllah, I was in that Iman high. <laughs> just came back from Hajj, subhanAllah. So that was a great, great help, I think, because you automatically, you are focused on Allah, subhanAllah. Ta'ala. Uh, like I explained to my alima, also, I've been going to Madrasa for a couple of months um, with Umahat, subhanAllah, that has been such a huge, huge, huge uh, influence in my life. So the first thing when we started speaking about this was obviously I wanted to find out the halal and haram about it. And, you know, there's, uh, so what was going to be happening with the process? Uh, SubhanAllah, okay, you're using each other's eggs in whatever the case is. So Alhamdulillah, this is correct. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's very, very important to first go and speak to ulama about the entire process. So for me, the most important thing was obviously to try and get, you know, a female doctor. Unfortunately, I couldn't get any female Muslim doctors. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, um, understand my intention and reward me for it. Um, eventually, I went with um, a really good clinic, uh, alhamdulillah, and um, it was an old Jewish doctor. But subhanAllah, he, he understood so much about our deen. So I think the most important thing is when you decide, first of all, you need to make mashwara with each other. Financially, it's a huge, huge, huge thing. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that whatever you are doing is jayas for yourselves. Do not put yourself in debt um, if it's something that you're not going to be able to handle. Uh, Shukar alamla, at that time, my husband had a bit of life savings, so we were able to get started with it. Um, and then we went about, obviously, you know, making us reading istikhara on it as well, because I think that's so, so important. You can't do anything without Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's um, permission, uh, making that intention, you know, and understanding your journey because it's not all about me and a cute little baby and how wonderful they smell when they're covered in Johnson's baby shampoo, <laughs> right? Because that's ultimately where you start off with, yes. you know? And at that point, I was older, I was in my late 30s, and I could really understand what is my purpose. You know, you really need to understand what is your purpose. So subhanAllah, we got into the journey, and at every point, you know, I always tried to make sure I was like in the state of wudu. Uh, and I know it's crazy as it seems. So even up to the point of when we were, um, you know, the, it, it's such a process because initially you are taking a lot of medication for a couple of weeks to try and grow your ov uh, your eggs or your um, ovules. And then eventually there's, you know, harvesting that, which takes a lot of uh, time as well. And then eventually they, they put it into a Petri dish or whatever the case is. Um, and then they try and... Um, you know, put, put the embryo back into your, or insert it back into your womb. So with every process, I try to go through it, you know, in the most Islamic way as possible. I think that was very, very important for me to always try and have hijab on. I was so uh, lucky that, you know, my doctor understood all of this. Um, and that made a huge difference in every process. And, but also the most understanding and the most important thing is to understand that there's also, you know, Everything depends on Allah. Life and death is in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hands. So you are going through this major process. Yes, it has great success rates and all of that. But you have to understand that there is also a possibility 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala might not will, you know, this life. Mm. So at every point, okay, I went through three uh, cycles. Uh, two of them were successful. The last one, alhamdulillah, was very <laughs> successful. But unfortunately, I lost both of them at nine weeks. But that was the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it doesn't make you less of a human being. You know, yes. um, understand that there's a physical, a huge physical aspect when you go through uh, IVF. Your body goes through major changes, having to take in this medication. Um, it also affects your behavior sometimes, you know, you uh, sometimes become a bit right. So that's why you need to go through this counseling process where both of the couples understand at every point what is regarded, what is needed from both of you to be able to support each other. Um, and then, you know, Mu'alima, it's every process, like I say, every step, your body goes through changes. Mentally, you go through changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, love, but if it is a loss or whatever the case is, there's a case where you need that support emotionally. Your body is going through physical uh, changes as well. You've got to deal with, um, you know, your body being in a state of pregnancy and losing a, st- a pregnancy. And I make so much of dua that, you know, whoever goes through this, it, it is successful. But understand that there are so many different levels. You need to go through this with your eyes wide open. Mm-hmm. So if anyone's willing to offer you a full counseling session or take you through the process before you even get started, then please go down that route so that you both can understand what is re- required of you. SubhanAllah. And I, and I can imagine, you know, the disappointment is, number one, it's a financial worry. And then number two, it's the emotional side of it. Like now when you get into this point of putting all your hopes into it and then Obviously, now it's not going, you know, getting the results that you would have loved to. How did you deal with that moment, subhanAllah? Allah really reward you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you. Allah grant you so, so, so many beauties in return to that, inshallah. But obviously, seeing that monitor, listening to you must have been such a difficult moment. It was. Um, I think there were so many things I was thinking about at that time. Um, so, Mu'alima, before uh, all of this happened, I, I actually had to have bed rest for about two weeks because um, I started to, to bleed at that time. And uh, subhanAllah, about a week and a half before we lost the, the babies, I actually saw, well, I think we lost one first. And the second one, there was this beautiful heartbeat, you know. And I remember seeing this, alhamdulillah, I can't tell you the feelings that emotions that you go through but at that time we both were you know like I say trying to stay in Wuzu I'm not the most perfect person but I tried so that I can be in touch with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I remember that shukar coming through you know and over the next two weeks I tried as much as possible to like read my Quran and stuff like that because it's so important for you know this development of these little babies Um, and at that time when I was looking at that monitor so one of the things I was thinking of was Ya Allah in a way um I was a bit grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that moment. It was such mixed emotions because mm-hmm. I was, you know, when you go through this process where you, you, you bleed so badly, right. you know, and I kept on going for a lot of blood tests and the levels kept on going higher. And then, you know, there is this possibility of a defect um, in the little one. Mm-hmm. So on one side, I'm, I was grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, you know, if there was going to be any issues with these little ones that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rather chose to take them away. Um, at the same time, there's a grief as a mother for, you know, all of your hopes just going away at that moment. 
But most importantly, I was, it was also in the month of Ramadan. So I began my pregnancy before the month started. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alhamdulillah, I am so grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that moment. I was thinking, yeah, Allah, I also managed to keep a few rosas in the, you know, in the process of being pregnant. Um, and then eventually when the bleed started and I started getting very weak, I couldn't keep my rosas anymore. But we know we started, I, I still tried to keep in a positive uh, like mode and try and beat my duas and everything. So I'm also grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that time. When I'm looking at that monitor, I'm also saying, Ya Allah, you also chose to take them in the month of Ramadan. So you have given me the grief in Ramadan, you know, and all of that confusion and a bit of a blame for myself also because I felt like maybe I didn't do something right at that time. Maybe that's why I lost these babies. But there was so much emotion. And when my husband just hugged me at that time, all of it just came out and uh, the next few days was just a whole lot of emotion but just turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know and just looking at the positives of it um, I feel like I was so fortunate to go through all of this during the month of Ramadan mm. and inshallah uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make me and make me be of the honored ones to be amongst those that will be taken into Jannah and meet their children you know subhanallah you know listening to your story I have goosebumps I am. Sure. I don't even know how to explain to you how I feel, and I know many, many girl ladies out there. I can't tell you how your words, inshallah, are going to be a solace to so many. I, I really do because it's taken me such a long time to eventually be able to talk and, about. And the, but, but the courage that we need, you know, when people message me, they said to me, Apashakira, you know, you actually said these words on air. You actually spoke about your story on air. And I, and I said, you know, Subhanallah, it's not. It's it, we are the sum of our stories, aren't we? That what we share, Allah makes it inshallah means that God's healing to somebody else, it the solace to somebody else. And at the same time, I love that Allah has guided you to your purpose. And I think that's what we have to realize. That, you know, like you said, that our kids are there and Allah, Allah gives us and Allah gives everybody kids. But Allah makes us also understand that we have so much that we can do added to having those kids or without those kids, you know. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all maqsads and objectives that are larger than ourselves and larger than our moments and our moments of test. Uh, so Zinat, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on, uh, on air and I am really, really humbled. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you what's your tawakkul moment, but this is the entire tawakkul moment. My tawakkul moment, like right now, ya Allah. <laughs> I Allah accept so you, Allah. I feel so loved by my Allah. I can't tell you, like right now, I can't tell you. You know, it's something I've spoken on the side a little bit about it. I wrote an article anonymously uh, a few years ago um, in the Muslim Women's Magazine, and I just felt like I wasn't brave at that time. But subhanAllah, I feel so loved and liberated right now. And I can't thank you enough. I, I will make a lot of dua for you, and I can't thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enough for this moment. And my biggest intention is to be able to help those out create an awareness around this we really really need to take it further and open up avenues for people to get help and you know what i love and you can see i'm running so crazy over time but <laughs> i don't care today because it's so this is so beautiful alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah you know what i what i love is that you when i when i look at your feed and i look at what you put out there it's not weighing you down and that's what i think we all need to have in our lives you know we, we need to feel our emotions we have to understand it's big it's big it's massive but at the same time we got to take from allah like you are doing and you know give back what we have inshallah may allah subhanahu wa always love you take care of you inshallah and a special special request for du'as for myself for my family and for the listeners of radio islam international jazakallah khairan assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh
وعليكم السلام جزاك الله for everything. Beloved listeners, you've been listening to Hayatun Tayyibah with myself, Malima Shatira Hanta. My guest today was Sister Zina Sirkot. And subhanAllah, it has been an absolute rollercoaster of emotion, but such a beautiful way to learn and to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jazakallah khair for tuning in as always. Inshallah, we'll chat again soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.